So uh, can you describe your profession to me, what you do for a living? I'm a psychologist, and I'm in independent practice in Worthington. Um, and I have been working in that for about 35 years. Um, I started out working in a shelter for abused women and their family down in North Carolina. And that's what kind of got me started working in trauma, which is what I've been doing for the majority of my professional career. Okay, um, so, so what did you major in college? I majored as an undergraduate in English and then I, when I went and got, when I got my master's degree, I was interested in working in a university setting. So I majored in basically higher ed. Um, and then most of my friends were psychologists and I realized that I really didn't want an administrative position. I wanted to work directly with people and that's what brought me into psychology. Okay. Um, so, so going forward um, past college, what was your uh, initial plan for uh, your profession? What was your first job? How you set that up? Well, um, my first job actually was before I got my, you mean my first job as a, as a PhD? Uh, yes. Or, yeah. Okay. As a PhD, my first job was, uh, oh, uh, my partner and I and two other friends who were both psychologists, uh, we started a business. And it was um, a big business in Worthington where we provided uh, individual counseling like traditional private practice. We had a management consultation division. We had an employee assistance division. And we had a small managed care business. And um, we ended up selling that practice in 1997 to Mark Carmel. Okay. Um, so looking at the cases that you, you most commonly um, you see, uh, what do you think is the most extreme that you've dealt with so far? Well, again, they have been um, cases that dealt with uh, very, very, very severe uh, childhood trauma. And so the, by far the most severe case involved a woman who is now in her 50s, but as a child was um, unbeknownst to her, she got um, involved in human trafficking and just some really other dreadful, dreadful experience where she was, um, you know, kind of drawn into almost a, a for lack of a better, better word, kind of a cult group of people that were grooming young girls, especially, to be, uh, to be a part of the sex trade. So that was pretty traumatic, as you can well imagine. Yeah, so um, how would you de describe the childhood of, of that lady? Um, she grew up in a family, an alcoholic family, uh, with a stepfather who was sexually abuse, abusive to her. Um, and so I think if you really think about how this thing began for her, um, she grew up in a very, very, very dysfunctional family. So she had abusive grandparents on both sides of the family. 
She was sexually abused by a stepfather who was alcoholic. Um, and I think what happened in her, and this is probably very common, she sought a community that, that embraced her and that led her not to a healthy community, but a very sick community. Right, so what she experienced in her early childhood really affected her action to totally. take on yeah, well, I think what it did is that she was naive enough. This happened when she was early in high school, so probably 7th, 8th, grade, ninth grade maybe, um, where, again, her trying to find an or a group that, she, that cared about her, that she enjoyed, and they could have fun together and blah, 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 blah. That's the way it started, but all of a sudden it's mm. they started getting into behaviors that were... Um, you know, that were pretty dangerous and pretty destructive. Mm. So, um, uh, that, that being said, you know, like other people have, you know, different reactions to, you know, their, what they experience in their childhoods. So, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, would, you know, take on human trafficking or, you know, do violent actions like murders. Like, so looking at like the psych, uh, the serial killer phenomenon, um, Do do you feel that um, that these killers are um, developed through uh, genetics, or do you feel that they're more developed through, like you said, like their childhood or their early experiences? Well, that's a really, really good question because if there are kind of two, you know, I think one of the things that's important to say from the get go about serial killers is, in particular, is that there's no accurate profile of the serial killers. Killer, <coughs> excuse me. There may be. Um, there are common traits that many of them have, but one of the important things to take a look at is the whole issue between psychopaths and sociopaths. I'm, I'm sure you're familiar yeah. with them. Um, psychopaths tend to be people who develop behaviors and they are genetically derived. In other words, they come from the genetic um, end of things. And that... Um, in, in psychology, we call that nature. Um, that's right. what their nature is, and that's how it develops, as opposed to sociopaths who tend to, um, that their, their behaviors tend to be modeled or most, most significantly influenced by their environment. And so if you look at most serial killers, at least, and again, I do not work with serial killers, but mm -hmm. I work in trauma, so I know enough at least to be able to right. say with some confidence that um, many serial killers, and I don't know what percentage, but many of them tend to be sociopaths, and that means that their behavior is often either influenced by their childhood or a lot of the early symptoms can be seen in their childhood. A good example of that, by the way, and it's true for people who abuse their families and also people who may become serial killers or serial rapists or any number of things, is that they tend to abuse animals. And that's one of the first really big warning signs you right, may right. see in a young kid if they are uh, torturing their animals or... Uh, some of the, many of them will kill their animals, or they will kill other animals, even if it's, if it's not the family pet. But that's certainly, um, and they have no remorse about it. It's not that they feel sad about what they've done, or even believe that what they've done is wrong. Um, so that's another sign of a sociopath. They really don't have 
remorse. They don't feel bad about what they're doing. They get a thrill out of doing some things that are really pretty heinous. Yeah. So um, what do you think the reason is behind um, the development of sociopaths? Like, do you feel that it's more of like a mental disorder? Or do you just feel like it's just naturally just born that way through just genetics and DNA? Well, again, if you look at what a lot of the current literature would say is that most... Um, if they are psychopathic, then that's the genetic line of things. That sociopaths tend to, um, you know, tend to be mostly influenced by uh, their environment or, you know, the environment in which they were raised or lived. Um, and that's not always true. And in, and if I knew exactly what caused those behaviors, mm. I would be probably a millionaire right now. Because there's no simple answer. I mean, it may well be that, you know, someone who was a serial killer had a mental disorder or some kind of thing. Um, and then that was, whatever that disorder was, was reinforced by experiences in childhood, which eventually created some pretty antisocial behaviors. Okay, um, moving on, uh, do, do you feel that social media has played uh, a big role in... Um, just the the less rarity of you know uh, serial killer cases nowadays. Well, I think again one of the characteristics of of serial killers is they love the publicity. Mm-hmm. You know they tend to be very grandiose. They tend to be pretty narcissistic, and so having it be something that is before social media, just the media coverage in general, they love that. They love to see you know, their their name in, uh, you know, in print and that they are getting all this attention. And that, of course, can be exacerbated significantly by social media where, you know, that information gets spread instantaneously nearly. So it may have, it may have a role, it may have a role of just getting that information out more quickly. Um, but I, I don't know that I could say that it's, a significant factor in the creation mm. of serial killers. But again, most really importantly is that they love that kind of publicity. Right. And social media is also making it, you know, a much bigger deal nowadays compared to, you know, you know, a lot of like news won't cover, you know, like the murders or whatever that took place in like the forties, fifties, but you know, there's there's still those kind of people, right? I think what's really important about that is that with a 24-hour news cycle like we have right now, and with, I don't know if there are, if, if we can really say that there are more serial killers now, it's just that we know more about them. And it's the same thing with more publicity. We understand child abuse in ways that we didn't understand 40 years ago because we were never asking those questions, or domestic violence, or even school shootings, um, you know, that there is just so much publicity around these heinous events, and it's not that there's suddenly just an explosion of these events, but but they are just being covered in a very, very different way, 24 hours a day. Mm. Um, how do you feel that we can uh, solve the, this phenomenon? Like, um, do you feel that we can change, like, regulations in school or, you know, just like spread their awareness more of mental health to, to you know, solve this? Well, again, I, I certainly don't have the answer to this, but I believe strongly 
that mental health is severely under under resourced in most places in the United States that we aren't very good at identifying kids really early on who might have significant risks um, and I think that's true probably in every school district you know that there just right. isn't the time there isn't the money there isn't there aren't other resources available to really get help to kids earlier on um, it's a, a very, very complicated issue because on the other hand, if you have a kid that's acting out who's kind of a loner, which is another characteristic of most serial killers, it's not like you're you know, going to put him in a group home. Um, right. I mean, and sometimes you just don't see those behaviors until they are adults. But I think the whole issue of mental health, whether from, from toddlers up through adults, um, you know, we don't have available the services that people need. And some of the people that need those services can't afford to pay for them. Right. So it's a, in my opinion, as a psychologist, I think mental health services are in, are severely underfunded and severely underutilized. Okay. Um, thank you for your time. Oh, all right. You're yeah, welcome. That's all we need. Was that helpful?